Lord Jesus, that we let the words that are, we are singing here permeate into our mind and our body and our souls. The reality of your relentless and reckless love that is chasing after every single one of us. And not just the people that are in this room, but outside of these walls in the city of Edmonton, in the nation of Canada, and the entire world, that your heart aches for those who still need to come home. Their heart yearns for that relationship, for your children to be seeking after you, to be coming and sitting with you, the good, good Father. How your love just expands across time and space and that nothing will stop you and nothing will separate us from your love. How that truth can be so real in our lives. Let that be real in our lives. With that reality, all of God's people said, Amen. I suspect that uh, when you think about Christmas that everybody has some of the favorite memories. And I want to uh, share um, one of my favorite Christmas memories. Um, and it might seem a little bit odd as I, as I share it, but when you get to the end, you'll kind of understand where I'm coming from. I'm going to move this. So... This Christmas, the Christmas that I'm talking about was quite a few years ago, but it was uh, held at my mom's house. And at this point, my parents were divorced for a while now. But in this, in this scenario, my, my dad and his family were coming and visiting Alberta. It had been out of Alberta for a while, and we are having Christmas all together in one house. So myself and Carmen and my sister and my dad and his family and my mom, and we were all underneath one home. And it wasn't this picturesque-type Christmas. And um, if you've ever heard any of my story, you know that some of the Christmases growing up as a teenager were actually quite hard because they would remind us of the fact that our family was split up. But there was something about this Christmas, and it was really funny because... You know, my mom had owned this home, and she was living just north of Edmonton, and we we're having Christmas Day, and I'm sitting back, and I'm watching as my, my mom's tap in her kitchen wasn't working very well, and so my dad's like, well, I can fix that, and he grabbed whatever tools my mom had, and he's underneath the sink, and he's fixing it, and I'm just, I'm sitting there going, like, this is a bit of a twilight zone happening here. It wasn't too many years before that my parents weren't even speaking to each other, and it was actually at my wedding that they had reconciled, or at least started the process of reconciliation. I remember saying to Carmen, well, what had happened originally was, I didn't ask my mom to share this part, so forgive me, um, but her initial words were, I don't care where you sit, you, me and your father just don't sit us at the same table. And I thought, well, yeah, duh. Uh, but as we got to the rehearsal and my parents saw each other, I think they just both knew in the midst that this wasn't about them. This was about their son and they're going to be 
daughter-in-law. And so they put their differences aside. But more than that, that was a moment. And I remember saying to Carmen, this is, I predict this is what's going to happen. Either my parents are going to make up at our wedding or it's going to be an entertaining fight. I think that was me just partially processing, you know, uh, prepping myself for if the possibility of that would happen. But they made up, and God had this tendency of just, God has, sorry, this tendency of just kind of working with the mess that we have, right? And so after that thing and after that reconciliation, you know, one of my things my mom said that she was, was blessed with in this reconciliation was that she was able to talk to the father of her children about her children. And as though that, you know, she had no desire to want to get back together with him or any of that stuff, but there was this lost sense of, like, you love talking about your children, even as adults, but there was a sense of, like, you know, that missing and that need, and so there was this, this reconciliation time here, and as we sat in Christmas, it was this mess, this everything that, you know, we could look back and I could, I could take a look at the picture and say that it would represent the brokenness that happened in our family, but instead, I look back and look at this beautiful picture of reconciliation. Look at this beautiful picture of hope and love and joy that was being had in the midst of this. That we were laughing and we were enjoying ourselves. That we're past this moment of the brokenness and the mess. But God had taken all this and reconciled and made it something to the point now that my dad was actually underneath the sink fixing my mom's leaky faucets that were going from her sink and there was just this sense of, of real joy and, and, and just, again, reconciliation, repair, redemption in the midst of this. Now, this is one of my favorite Christmas stories because of God's presence in the midst of the mess of our life. And when we look at the story of Christmas, you know, the whole entire narrative, and, 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 and Martin, Pastor Martin is going to be unwrapping the Christmas story on the 23rd and the 24th. It's going to be a great, great um, opportunity to kind of see the story behind the story. But when you look at the Christmas story, there's nothing, you know, perfect or well put together about it. That Jesus enters into human history and all of its messiness, that he's a baby, that he's in a manger, he's in a stable. There's no royal welcoming. There's, it's, it's this perfect picture of what God's redemptive and reconciling and his love and his hope and his joy and his peace that he wants to bring into the world. And so when we think about this idea of joy, a lot of the times we have this idea that, you know, joy is, is almost this idea of like circumstantial, that I'm joyful because something that's happening. But there's this deeper joy in the midst of our psyche, in the midst of what God is representing. And we'll get a little bit of, in about that, but just to think about it like this. And we think about the idea of joy and Jesus representing joy, that joy doesn't wait for the world to get all its things together, but joy enters into the world in all of its messiness. That that's part of the story of Christmas. And what's amazing is that how triumphant this joy is that we see in the story that even the angels exclaim this reality. So if we go to Luke 2, this is what we read. He says, that night, speaking of um, the shepherds and the angels coming in the night that uh, Jesus is born, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, 
Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, the one that everybody was waiting for, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find him, you'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of clothes lying in a manger. And there's three things in this passage, and they're all underlined, and I want us to really focus in on when we think about this idea of joy and as we think about the gift of joy and as we unwrap this gift. And the first is this. The gift of joy is found in the gift itself. So a lot of the times when we look at life and our circumstances and the things that we're dealing with, that a lot of the times we forget that the joy is found in the gift itself. If you watch any of those videos of little kids and they give them like a toy and they spend more time playing with the box, right? Like that kid understands the basics of enjoyment. It's not so much in the most expensive thing, but it's in the actual act of the gift. I love something that, uh, that Pastor Jackson said last week that he just said off the cuff. He said, isn't there just something exciting about unwrapping a present? You know, says he knew what was already in the box, but there's just something exciting about getting and receiving a present and being able to unwrap it and seeing what's inside. There's just something joyful about that. You know, there's just something exciting in that when you think about the excitement of kids on Christmas Day that, you know, it's like God-forsaken hour in the morning and the kids wake up and they're bouncing on your bed. You're like, no, you, are, you have to go back to sleep before 7 a.m. because we are not opening presents to them. But as a kid, you're so excited for the fact that you're going to be able to go and figure out what's in these presents and you've been sneaking down and you're shaking them. And there's this excitement and this joy just in the simple fact of the gift itself. And that reminds me in thinking about this idea that when we look at what we're actually celebrating or when we look at this fact of joy, that we can be chasing after all of these things in our life and looking for that fulfillment of joy in so many places. But the, the story of Christmas reminds us that the ultimate foundation or anchoring of this joy is found in the actual gift given to us in Jesus that when the angels declare that the Messiah, the Savior, the joy of the world has come, that it's ultimately in this place. Let me, let me encourage you guys, or maybe even challenge you guys, that if your first and foremost focus isn't on the gift itself, or on, but on the things around, if it isn't focused on Jesus, ultimately, or our relationship with God, that you're going to be looking and grasping for these things in life and looking for these fulfillments and joy, but it won't fully fulfill. Because ultimately, we were created inside of our DNA to be in relationship with God. And that's a big part of what the story of Christmas is about. So you go all the way back to the beginning and God creates us and we're supposed to be in this relationship and we screw things up and we don't trust God and, and all of the evil and destruction and sin and, and distrust goes into the world and then we see this whole cycle of humanity trying to pick them up out of the pit and they can't do it and they're trying this and they've got this king and they've got this judge and this prophet and maybe it's this person. And over and over we see this cycle of sin and violence and keep on screwing up and no matter what we do. And so 
And God, in his great wisdom, right from the beginning, understanding, says to Adam and Eve that there will be a seed that will come. And he's talking about Jesus. And he says, I'm going to bring, I'm going to come into your existence. See, God doesn't ask us to mount ourselves up to him, but he brings himself into the most humble of things, but also a package that brings the most joy, a baby. The simplest and most beautiful and pure things that we can see when it comes to humanity, the smile that when I look at my three-month-old, when he looks back at me and smiles, that joy. I mean, we, we, we do anything we can to make Bennett giggle. He's just starting to get ticklish, and I, I think I'm almost to the point of like borderline torturing him. Because there's just something amazing about the joy that comes out and, and this representation of what God is representing and becoming a baby, that pure joy. And what it is, is he's entering into human history as the answer for this and reconciling this relationship that's broken. And ultimately, we find that joy in the gift itself in that relationship. So you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped. That they were, they were, they were wise men that traveled across deserts, across countries, miles upon miles to find this baby. And so this whole entire Christian walk isn't ultimately about what you can get out of God, but it's ultimately about the intimate relationship that you can find. We just finished going through a course called Soul Care and finding freedom for your life. That's not my, that's my son, actually, so... <laughs> He's exclaiming right now. Not so joyous, but we just went through this soul care course, and um, one of the things that we really looked at was this idea of how freedom in our life and walking in that freedom is so intimately tied into our intimacy with God, with Jesus. There's this cycle. If you look at the negative cycle of guilt and shame, the guilt and shame cycles into continuing to do the things you don't want to do, which then makes you feel guilty and shameful, which then cycles back into doing the things you don't want to do. But there's this positive cycle that also happens of intimacy and freedom. The more you develop your relationship with the triune God, with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all, all of that, that relationship will then fuel into a further opportunity towards freedom and authority and the walking of where God wants you to go, which then opens up new doors to an intimate relationship with God, with Jesus, which then fuels into more authority and freedom and where you want to go, which fuels back into, and you get the point. But if you're not seeking after God and realizing, putting your attention ultimately where that joy needs to be, it will not be anchored into the well the, the, the well, the endless well of joy and life and purpose. And so my first challenge is this, is that when you think about in your relationship, despite anything else you hear today, if you don't get this, if this isn't your main focus, your foundation above everything else, ultimately it's not about freedom. Ultimately it's not about changing ourselves. Ultimately it's not about how we act. Ultimately it's not even about you know, the, you know, loving others or doing these other things because it starts with the first commandment, love God with all your mind, heart, soul, and body. That becomes the foundation. That's what fuels everything else. And if you're thinking to yourself, well, how do I, and fill in the blank of getting that next thing, go back to the basics and ask yourself this, how is my relationship with Jesus? 
If I'm asking her, like, I'm, I'm really struggling with finding this joy you're speaking about, then ask yourself this question. Where, are you, where is the source of your joy coming from? Speaking of Bennett, I think he's a perfect representation of this joy, of this joy in this relationship with God. When I hold Bennett talking about his giggling and, and when he looks up to you and he recognizes who he's looking at and the love that he is receiving because we just pour on this and we're smiling, we just love this little person. You just can't imagine that you could love somebody so much and you're holding this little baby who literally can do nothing. I always make this joke, I mean, seriously, when are you going to get a job and contribute to this family? Like, does nothing, but you just love this baby so much. And when he feels that and looks up and sees you, he just gets this big gummy grin. And it just melts my heart. And I think this is the perfect representation of the simplicity of joy in our relationship with God. It isn't about striving. We're trying to figure, it's just about how do I find myself in the arms of God and amongst my Savior Jesus, interacting with Him. Think of the story of Mary and Martha, and Mary just sits and just soaks it all in. That's different for everyone, and all I can say to you is figure out what that spiritual pathway is for you. Maybe it's worship music, maybe it's reading your Bible, maybe it's being in community, maybe it's being in silence or solitude. I mean, the reality is we live in, in, a, in a society and a culture that is so distracted all the time. And so just, you need to sink in. And first and foremost is that if we want to look for joy, the joy is ultimately found in the gift itself above anything else. See, joy is found in a person. Joy is found in Jesus when Jesus comes to earth. And in Luke 12, 31, next slide, I'm paraphrasing this for the sake of this message Go to the next slide. Seek Jesus first and the rest will follow. You think about all the things that are happening in your life and you're wanting to have, seek Jesus first and the rest of the details will work itself out because you're with the one who wants what's best for you. Here's the second thing. The gift of joy is rarely perfectly wrapped with a bow on top. See, that's not how life works. You think about the story of my favorite Christmas. It's not this perfectly wrapped situation. Now, I got my wife to wrap this because if I did, it would probably look more like what life looks like. (laughs) But we spent all this effort taking a gift and making it look pretty on the outside. Oops. Look at that. There's life going on right now. We spent all this effort decorating the gift and wanting to make it look perfect. But in the reality, that's not how life works. And I think a lot of times we do the same thing in our own lives. We spend so much time trying to dress up the brokenness in our lives instead of allowing for God's presence to do what it needs to do in our life. And and let me just encourage you that nobody's life looks like this. Pastor Martin's life doesn't look like this. Pastor Jackson, Pastor Lauren, Pastor Darian, myself, anybody in this church Nobody's life is perfectly wrapped with a bow on top. It's not how that works. If you're sitting here today and you're thinking, and maybe this is your first Sunday and you're going, I, I don't know what to expect. I'm not sure how to look or what to do or when I should stand, all of these things. Let me just encourage you that none of us have got our lives together. Life doesn't look like this. And so we think about this gift 
that has been given us, the gift of joy, isn't something that was, when, when God's purpose came into it, it wasn't about trying to this perfectly wrapped situation. He didn't come as a king, wasn't born in a palace. And look at who the angels declare this amazing joy to. They go to the lowliest of people in society. The outcasts, the fringe, the shepherds. They were the dirty ones. They stank. And he says it's these, it's to them that they go first. And the angels declare. And over and over when we see Jesus' story, he goes to the ones who know they need a Savior and brings that hope and that love and that joy and that peace into their life. See, joy is found in the mess of life. Let me share a real quick story in this. When I was in college, it was my second year. Actually, it was my first year. It doesn't matter. So it was 2001. It was just after 9-11. And we were planning on doing a missions trip to Mexico. At this point, passports were not a mandatory thing to go from Canada to the United States. But it's still like, we're talking, you go to airports and people in military, fully automatic rifles are, are standing there. So it was, it, there was a lot of you know, angst about that. And so what had happened was, I, uh, our leader came to us and said, hey, I need everybody's name. So I thought I'd be a big joke because my full name is Joseph Josh T. Drake DeLong Farmer, and so I can go under eight legal different names and all these different type of combinations. And, and so what I'd done, and I was going through a weird season where I was, you know, preferring to use my, my mom's maiden name and not my dad's and such and such and such. And so I said, well, my name's Joseph Josh T. Drake DeLong. Um, so I don't know why he was asking for this, not realizing he's planning on buying plane tickets. Well, I don't have any ID under Joseph DeLong. None. Joseph Farmer, maybe, I could probably get away with, but not DeLong. And so this creates an issue when you're buying plane tickets, right? And so we're like uh, realizing this a week before we're trying to go and do this mission trip in Mexico, and then we're freaking out and trying to figure things out, and we go, we need something. And, and so we go to... Our, we, well, we have somebody who worked in the ID shop for our, our, our college for the different IDs, and we got him to break in there and make me a new ID under Joseph DeLong. Now, I mean, like, this is a stretch, right? And our leader who is in L.A. who is going to be meeting us is going, I've seen crazier things, pray, and, you know, like, trust God. And I was just like, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> like, we're, I'm talking like it's a piece of paper laminated with my face and name on it. You know what I mean? Like, this is not government-issued ID by any means. So we get to the airport. Um, and we find out, you know, that we get there, and we're, go we're going in in Regina, we got to fly to Calgary, and there, we're late, and we're trying to get things going, and she's trying to figure this thing out, and she goes, look, I will let you on the plane under these circumstances, but you understand when you fly from Calgary and you go to international, that that's probably not going to work out. But if you want to take this risk, go for it. And so we got on the plane, and because we were so late in showing up that they, they had to transfer us, and they didn't even look at our ID. They just basically let us on the plane. We get into L.A., and we show up, and none of our luggage shows up, like none of it. We've got instruments. We've got all of our stuff. We're, we're trying, to, you know, trying to figure this out, and, and all of our luggage, what had basically happened, because we were so quick to need to go from one transfer to the other, they were unable to transfer any of our equipment from one plane to the other because I, an idiot, gave my wrong name for these plane tickets, and they hauled everything up. And so now we're in L.A. We've got nothing. Nothing at all. We're just like, what is going on? Nothing is panning out. And there's a bunch of other things with broken down vans and everything like that. And I want to get it all in the story. 
But we went to Walmart and got, you know, basics like our, our you know, our, because our, we're going to get the, you know, our luggage eventually. We can go back to L.A. and pick it up. And let's just go and buy sleeping bags and we'll just leave stuff there. And, and you know, so we're just like, this is a disaster. Nothing's working out. And then we finally, we need some instruments. So let's go to a guitar shop. And we end up in this guitar shop. And the leader from L.A. is talking with this guitar salesman. And all of a sudden, we realize in the midst of their conversation that our leader from L.A. knows this gentleman's family in Africa. And this gentleman, who is his guitar salesman, is in Canada trying to, to bring funds for his family back in Africa, but his brother had died. And he wasn't able to go back to the funeral, and he was really torn about this. And our leader was like, well, I know people who work there inside of our organization. I can get you there on an internship visa and get you back to your brother's funeral. Now, in that moment, we all realized something. We were so frustrated about all of the details that were happening, moving forward in this. It seemed like nothing was going right. But God, the whole entire time, had a plan because he needed us to be at a guitar shop in a particular point for our leader to talk to a particular person so we can get that person back home for his brother's funeral. That's the type of details, the things that God is weaving in the mess of life. And sometimes we think we forget that we go through these things that we think that they're just random. And even, and let me just say this, if you're dealing with something in your life, I'm not saying God is causing that to you. I don't believe that. Don't think God does that. But he has this amazing tendency to redeem, to reshape the mess that we have for an ultimate beautiful purpose. And let me encourage you with this. Don't let the lie creep in that the junk you are facing is bigger than the plan that God has for you. Let me say that again. Don't let the lie creep in that the junk you are facing today is bigger than the plan God has for you. You might be going through a valley right now, but God is already orchestrating, figuring out how he's going to flip this to be able to use it for your good and his purposes. And if you are dealing with something and you're walking through life, let me challenge you. The best way to walk through life is in community. See, God works amidst the garbage in our life, right? But if we do that in isolation, first and foremost, we need a relationship with God, right? Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, but also love others. We need to be in relationship with other people. This is the best way that we can walk these things out. And so if you're walking this out and you're doing it in isolation in this church and you're not a part of a community group or a team, let me encourage you that the best way you're going to find to go through this is that if you get other people around you, and not only can they feed into you, but then God can use you to bless others, to bring joy into the life of others, because you're in community. You know what's amazing is this Wednesday at 6.30 p.m., we have our Next Step Christmas party. If you want to know what's going on and what opportunities, show up. It's a potluck, there is child care, there's a kids program, 6.30 Wednesday here at the church. We're going to have a great time, a great Christmas party, a great opportunity to get to know some people, but there's also going to be very clear and obvious opportunities for you to take a next step and to get plugged into some type of community, some type of team, to be walking life with other people. 
So God works in the midst of the garbage to bring a particular miracle into the midst of history. See, when we look at joy, when it enters into the world, he's not waiting, he's not cleaning things up and then brings Jesus into it, brings the joy into the midst. No, he takes Jesus and this perfect embodiment of joy and plants it into the midst of that garbage. And from that focal point, we see joy spread. And the same thing can happen in our lives when we allow this joy, this gift of joy to be in our life, to be in community, be in relationship with God and relationship with others, to start expanding. Thinking about the, you know, the story of the Grinch, the Grinch who stole Christmas, his heart was, was it three times or two times? Two times. Some people have seen. Okay, now there's a debate between two or three. Okay, it's three. Three is my favorite number. We're going to go with that. His heart is three times too small. I don't care. We're still arguing about this. It's not the point. We've got a lot of A personalities in this group right now. It's the details. Well, Mitch says it's three, so I don't know. We should argue with that. The point is, is his, his heart is small, and it's filled with joy. That's what God wants to do. That is one of the purposes of the Christmas story when Jesus shows up is that he is joy that expands Expands into the world, expands into people's lives. And the last thing is this. The, joy, the gift of joy isn't really a gift at all if it isn't shared. So when we look at this idea that, you know, a relationship with Jesus is where it all starts in the foundation. Relationship with others and we see this joy in our life expand. But also, if we take a gift, I mean, even before that, I mean, if you get a gift from God and you don't open it, right? Like, that's a waste. Hey, I got this awesome gift and just going to put it on the shelf and do nothing with it, right? But if you go and buy somebody a gift or you want to bless somebody with a gift, but you never give it away, if you have that joy in your life, if you are holding joy, you've got the gift of joy with you and in your hand and you never give that gift away, it's not much of a gift at all. It's a purchase. You bought yourself something, but it's not a gift. A gift is something that it's given and it says in the scriptures, it's better to give than it is to receive. And there is this real sense, and talking about what Hannah talked about in the generosity talk, that there is this joy that is received when we bless others in our generosity. I'm going to ask um, Andrew to come up for a second. He has no idea what's going on, other than the fact he's coming on stage. Andrew, I want to give you a gift this morning. So have fun. Are you nervous? <laughs> so, Andrew doesn't know, but I was talking to his wife, who is our kids' men pastor, and, and Andrew has always wanted a hammock and has bugged his wife forever. And so we decided to get Andrew a hammock. Thank you. That's yours. Thanks. Go for it. See, Andrew had no idea that that was going to happen. Even when I brought Andrew on stage for this gift, 
Now, there's an excitement about, hey, I get a gift, but I don't know what it is. But he had no idea that I even knew that he wanted a hammock. How would I know that? I mean, other than the fact that we're sneaky. <laughs> but it's what that represents, that there is this chance. You know, thinking about this idea that we're giving joy to others, that there are some things in a gift when you give to somebody that they receive something they don't even know they were wanting, even further than what Andrew's experience of knowing that what we wanted for them, but they don't even know that they want it. When we think about, you know, where the season we're walking into right now, we're going through Christmas and we've been talking about these invites and this Christmas party, that there's this great opportunity to bless and share the gift of joy. And not only just joy, but love and hope and peace that we're talking about in Advent that other people can experience. And so maybe you you know, we, we talked about these invites, and, and Pastor Jackson last week talked a little bit about them, and they were on your seats, and we're going to be handing them out on the, on the way out, and you're thinking to yourself, like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what I want to do with this. I don't know if I want to take that risk. But here's the thing. If you have this gift of joy in your life because of what God has done with you, you have this gift of hope and love and peace, and you don't give it to others, you might miss the opportunity of seeing that joy, excitement, something they may not even realize that they wanted can happen in their life, all because you weren't willing to share a gift. Now, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm trying to actually get you excited about the possibility of what it could look like if you shared that gift. The possibility of what it could look like to share that gift. And so as you walk out these doors today, let me challenge you and encourage you that these invites are just a piece of paper, but the power that they hold is that they are equipped with you, with that invitation. Take that risk. Don't just take one, take two, take three, and let God guide you to who he wants to be able to experience that love and hope and joy and peace this season. Take that risk because it could be the experience that they have of actually experiencing the joy of having a relationship with Jesus. A small, simple invitation. Or maybe you want to be a part of that experience when they come. You know, and you're thinking, how can I be a part of what's going on on the 23rd and the 24th as we're planning this great, awesome party and this amazing carols and candles service? And last year we had 841 people inside of this auditorium. Wouldn't it be amazing if we broke that number because you guys took a simple risk. We have 700 invites that we've printed. Can you imagine if 700 people showed up? We've got overflow. We're, we're, we're prepping for that. We're believing in that. We've got extra seats. We built the overflow. But we need you guys because you're the church. You're the one who is going to bring people, inviting that connection to the people that need to experience this joy. But also we need, well, we not need, we have an opportunity for you guys as well to be a part of that experience that people will have. And there's special opportunities on the 23rd and the 24th. It could just be simply helping with uh, setting up a table or being a part of you know, the different programs and the different things that are going on and the extra help that we need for setup, the different um, activities that are going to be going on until the 24th and the 23rd. There's going to be endless amounts of opportunities and possibilities and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, I want to be a part of that experience. I want to play a part in shaping the atmosphere and experience of that person experiencing the joy of Jesus and also the hope and love and peace. Then you need to also sign up at the info desk and just say, 
I'm ready to do whatever because I want to see people experience God in a new and powerful way. See, joy is meant for all people. So you looked at when the angels came, he said that the joy is for all people. But look at what it says here in this passage in Matthew 5. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives the light to everyone in the house. See, you carry that joy. You carry that hope. You carry that love. And what we'll see next week, you'll carry that peace. But if you hide it, if you hide it, then people can't experience it. So let's be a part of the change in people's lives. You could be a part of their story that could see their lives change forever in the most magnificent and wonderful way. And I invite the band to come up. And let me just challenge you this last thought. Don't wait till everything is perfect in your life to walk in joy. See, there's joy ahead of us and in the everyday. Don't wait until everything lines up to invite that person. Don't wait for everything in your life to slow down for you to seek after God. Don't try and clean up the mess in your life before you invite Jesus' joy to be able to start doing a work in your life. Start today with what he wants to do in your life. Right here, right now. Pastor Jackson preached a message about that. The right here, right now, God. Right here, right now, start walking in joy. That gift has been given. That gift showed up 2,000 years ago, and that joy has been spreading. What the world would look like if God's children were full of joy. Just think about that for a second, how easy that would be for people to want to come and experience this because God's people were just full of joy. No matter the circumstances, no matter the situations, no matter what is going on, we are full of joy because we have Jesus in our life. Can we get excited about that, thinking about what God is going to do in this season of Christmas, not only in our own lives, but how that spills out and affects others? Why don't you guys stand right now? I'm going to pray over you. Holy Spirit, come upon everyone here. Anoint them. Fill them. Set a fire of joy upon these people. And let this joy spread into every avenue of their life and their heart, fueling their relationship with you. Let that spill out into the areas of their life with their family and their friends and their co-workers. They would see that joy. That would be a flame upon their life. They would be set on fire with your joy. And give them the boldness, even in the mess of life, to be able to walk in that joy, walk in that confidence, but also walk in boldness to share that joy with others. With that excitement saying, if you just just come out to Christmas, it'll be so amazing. And you'll experiencing something so amazing because you know that they will meet with God. Holy Spirit, do a work. Fill this place. Anoint your children. 
Equip them. Be with them in your presence. Receive that church now. The Holy Spirit is with you. The joy of Jesus is with you. And I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus by his death, resurrection, and ascension. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Two. See you next Sunday.